These are the words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa. He perceived these things concerning Israel two years before the earthquake, in the days of Judah's King Uzziah, and in the days of Israel's King Jeroboam, Joash's son. Hashem, your God, roars from Zion and utters their voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds wither, and the top of Carmel dries up. Seek good and not evil, that you may live, and so Hashem, the God of hosts, will be with you. Just as you have said, hate evil and love good, and establish justice at the city gate. Perhaps Hashem, the God of heavenly forces, will be gracious to what is left of Joseph. I hate, I reject your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps, but let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Maybe one day someone will write a book, Darren's Big Words. Oh, it's so good, Darren, to hear you really proclaim that prophetic text from Amos. Thank you for that. It's been a minute since I've done sermon in a sentence. Uh, and so I decided I'm going to do sermon in a sentence for you today. That is, what is the sermon if you distill it down into one sentence? And actually today, I'm just going to tell you that I got it to the length of like a sign that you could hold up uh it would fit on a bumper sticker um and uh also another take on it would be that it's a mantra could be a prayerful meditative mantra here it is justice first that's it that's the sermon justice first. I was so struck this time in reading these uh, very familiar words from the prophet Amos. I was so struck by establishing justice at the city gate. Establish justice at the city gate. And people who know more about this stuff than I do tell us that that's where disputes were handled, that's where the justice system was, that's where you know, court cases in the ancient world were tried at the city gate. And yet also this is poetry, established justice at the city gate. It's gotta be at the entryway, right there where you walk through so that everything that follows flows from the justice that is established at the city gate. Justice first. You gotta start with justice or else why even? <laughs> why even why even do anything else if you don't start with justice now amos a prophet is writing to a people who think that they're good they think that they are practicing just they value justice perhaps even think they're doing a pretty good job of it but they have kept too much for themselves 
and they have allowed the systems that privilege them to persist. In addition to his audience being a privileged people, Amos, though he has named in this translation as a shepherd, was actually a sheep breeder, most think. It's a slightly different uh, word there. And so, again, people who know more about this stuff than I do think that this means Amos was actually a person of some privilege and access himself to be a breeder of sheep. We sometimes think of prophets as sort of in sackcloth and ashes and on the fringes and maybe they're stumbling in from the wilderness and maybe they're living rough outside. That is not what we think Amos was. He was also a person who had some access and some privilege. And so as he is pointing his finger out here with his prophetic words, you know, it's the old cliche. He's got the three fingers pointing back at him as well. And goodness gracious, me too, Megan Bremer right here, pronounce she, her. Um, uh, it is hard to preach a prophet, let me just tell you, when, <laughs> when this is the flow and the direction of those big words is right back at me. Justice first, justice first, justice first. At least with Amos, the message is so clear. There's just like no wiggle room for interpretation here. It is so clear. And so at least that is a gift and a blessing. I don't feel uh, worried or concerned that I'm preaching a message that's off from the text that we have. It's, it's real clear here. So at least that is a blessing and a grace that that feels clear to me. Justice first, established at the gates to the city at the entryway. We hear in Amos's words the voice of God responding to the worship of the people and buckle up friends because here we are gathered in worship and uh, boy the translations they they differ but but some of the variations are God loathes the worship spurn hate despise reject it's almost like God is like Spare me your worship. This makes me sick. I just can't. I just can't with your worship. It makes me want to puke. Stop. It's harsh language that does, just hardly leaves any room for grace. It's really hard to take it in. Now, I don't think this means that God, in God's essence, despises all worship hates singing and music and gathering for worship, the ideal would be both. <laughs> if you've got justice at the gate to the city, great. Go ahead and head on into the city and sing and praise and worship. But you gotta have justice first, justice established at the gates. And then when worship and song and praise flows from that, wonderful. But until there is justice first. Whew. Justice is a prerequisite, it seems, in this text for relationship with God. It's written to a group of people who think they're doing pretty well. They're not intending to do wrong. So sitting with this as also, I think, people who think we're doing pretty well and not intending to do wrong, sitting with this message is severely uncomfortable. And as a preacher, one of the things that I hold is how do we do this? How do we not shy away from these 
clear words of Amos and of God, justice first. How do we not shy away from that at all? But also not inflame a shame response, which does no one any good. If it sends you into a shame spiral, well, it's probably not going to help you establish justice at the gates, right? So how do we how do we do this? How do I hold this? The longing, of course, is for us to be confronted by the starkness of this message, but also to hear it in such a way that we are moved, that we are invited in to do better and better and better, that we are invited in and inspired toward the movement, the movement that will continue on even when Martin dies, the movement that will continue on to establish justice at the city gates. And that threshold is different for different ones of us, what's going to send us into the shame spiral and, and what's going to be just the right amount of challenge. That threshold is different for different ones of us, and it's different at different points in our lives. So one day, today, that strong challenge might hit me just right, a gut punch perhaps, but it'll hit me just right, and I'm ready. It's also motivating, it's inspiring, and tomorrow it might wilt me into a puddle of shame and immobility because of whatever else is going on in my mental health or my life or my family or the world or my friend group or whatever. The goal obviously is for each of us to grow in resilience, <sighs> grow in resilience so that we can be confronted by the challenging words and hear them as invitation, joyous invitation to join with one another in doing better and better. The goal is to grow in resilience. That's what I long for myself. You can see I'm doing this. I didn't plan to do this, but I think it's a body thing. It's a body and a soul thing to grow in resilience. It's my longing for myself and for each one of you and for our community as we discern things together collectively and live together collectively. And the reality is there's no way to strike that balance perfectly for all people at all times. <laughs> there just isn't. So, beloved, beloved, beloved. Let's start there. Beloved, beloved, beloved. Justice first. Justice first, justice first. And then let your songs flow. <sighs> it's why I'm so glad that there's such gorgeous poetry. We have shifted in our narrative lectionary. We've now entered the prophets. And so we're gonna have some gorgeous poetry, some hard messages sometimes, but gorgeous poetry so that we can turn to that poetry again and again and again and again to buoy our spirits and to cast the beautiful vision for us, which is this, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. Let us trust that our generosity begets more generosity around us. Let us trust in God's abundance. Let us trust in thriving. 
This message is not about giving up your thriving. It's about ensuring that all thrive. It's establishing that justice at the city gates and then, whoo, finding that that person thriving over there contributes to my thriving and that person over there thriving contributes to my thriving, that there's actually enough. <laughs> there's actually enough. Justice first. And then thriving for all and singing and harps and worship. It is hard for me to improve upon. Okay, impossible for me to improve upon the poetry of Amos. It's why preachers from Jesus to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and many others have leaned on these prophetic words for millennia. It is impossible for me to improve upon the poetry of Amos. And so, my dear friends, my church, my fellow beloveds, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-living stream, an ever-flowing stream. Amen, and may it be so. We're going to hear a beautiful hymn for the healing of the nations, which 705, thank you, Joanne, for the assist. Get by with a little help from our friends. 705, if you'd like to read along uh, some of the verses and hum here or sing if you're at home. <laughs> 